welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back for the 11th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of August 5th, 2018, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to welcome you back, and I'm excited to dig into this week as we again deal with the Bread of Life Sundays, and I'm excited to dig into this week. I think there's some really unique and cool things we can really discuss and talk about as we get into this, but before we do, I want to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, what are you doing? I think there's great commentaries there. There's great discussions and a Sermon Brainwaves podcast with some great biblical scholars that help me as not being an ordained minister gives me some direction for this podcast and I would recommend checking it out yourself. But as we get into this week, we have some really cool readings that most of which tie together pretty well. But I think, again, it's one of these things where thinking outside the box, thinking outside the norm of how you would maybe talk about or preach this is a benefit to this reading and breathe some new life into it. And I will get into that as I talk about it. But the gospel reading this week is from John chapter 6 verses 24 through 35. And this is fairly shortly after the verses what we got last week. We had, again, the feeding of the 5,000, the crossing of the sea. Jesus is in a new area and the crowds have essentially followed him there. And Jesus comes to question the people on what their motives are and that are they just chasing him for free food, which I think any parent probably understands this because teenagers do it all the time. Me being not that far removed from being a teenager, I know exactly that feeling. But he then is challenging the establishment saying, why are you chasing things that perish and not chasing things that are eternal? And so we get that reading out of this. And there's kind of some questioning back and forth. And they bring up Moses and the bread from heaven, which we'll talk about in the first reading, just from foreshadowing here. He responds then with, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So kind of these nice words that we love to hear as a congregation, as a church, But what does that actually mean? And I think there's some unique things, again, that we can pull from even modern day things that kind of speak some life into this. The first reading is from Exodus chapter 16, verses 2 through 4 and 9 through 15. And so this is where the Israelites have left Egypt and are complaining. They're just complaining. They are saying, why do we even do this? We should have just died of hunger in Egypt. It would have been better. And so the Lord then works with Moses and Aaron and has Moses then explain how there is going to be quail at night and manna or this thin bread in the morning. As it's described here in verse 14, a fine flaky substance as fine as frost on the ground. So as you probably have experienced before, like a wafer-like consistency, but maybe even thinner than that. So this kind of, again, God providing for his people. The alternative first reading is 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 26 through chapter 12, verse 13a. And this is where we have the continuation of, of David and Bathsheba from last week. The slimy story continues, but I would say that we've gotten through the slimiest part of it. 
Nathan is then being told by God to go and talk to David about this. And it's probably one of the most successful, if you want to put it as a parable or as a sermon, is how they talked about it in Sermon Brainwaves. And I really like that analogy. So you have this rich man who has this large flock of sheep and a poor man who has one lamb who he just cares for and takes care of like a daughter. And the rich man becomes zealous for the one you and takes it. And David becomes extremely angered, said the man should be put to death. He should replace the sheep fourfold. And then Nathan kind of slams him with the news of this is what you have done. And we kind of get some interesting foreshadowing in here in some of these verses talking about how David is still going to suffer from the sword, which later on he has three different children die. You have this is about you type of moment and how God is still going to work with you in this, but it's not going to be easy. And we get this large repentance at the end in verse 13. I have sinned against the Lord. Now the Lord has put away sin. You shall not die. So David said the first part and Nathan said the second part of now the Lord shall put away your sin. You shall not die. Very deep passage, but also the recognition of sin. And it's, I think, a key point to be able to see someone that we look up to so much like David to recognize that he can even make mistakes and that he still has to ask for repentance. The psalm this week is Psalm 78, verses 23 through 29, and this just looks like it's purely for talking about the manna, and that we kind of, again, have the story of the manna being there in abundance. So, easier psalm there. The second reading this week is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, and I think depending on the situation that you're in and where you're coming from at this, I would cross-examine this with 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's actually one of my favorite passages is the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And chapter 12 is talking about how that's where we get the eye is not jealous of the hand or is not jealous of the foot and kind of talking about the body of Christ. And we have this at the second half of this passage, we have a similar type of thing where it talks about the gifts he has, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for their work and ministry for building up the body of Christ. So that's verses 11 and 12. And we get this idea again of knitting together the body of Christ. And what does that mean? Because we have Christ who has already laid down his life for us, that then he is there to work with us and has given each of us different abilities to work together to build the body of Christ. So what does this all mean with science? And I have thought about this quite a bit here. And there's some easy things I can think about going back to the bread of life. For me, one of the things you can think about with whenever I hear the word life, I think water. And that in some form, some fashion, all life comes back to water. And we've talked about in the past 
that water can easily be looked at like God, that it has three phases that we're easily able to recognize just like God is in three phases. So there's that similarity. But I think there is an interesting one if you've ever spent any time out in the woods or out in nature by yourself. I think there is some things you can pick up from this. So let's take a kind of a look at the first reading in Exodus here. You have the Israelites who feel like they're being abandoned. They feel like things were better off before, and at least we weren't hungry. And right now we're hungry. And the Lord then provides what they need. Very kind of similar to what we talked about last week with the feeding of the 5,000. But I think food and drink is so essential to who we are. I mean, we watch stuff about food. We love figuring out how to create new concoctions in the kitchen. That's essential part of what a lot of people would talk about as a major part of living. For example, last night I was with my family and a couple family friends of ours. And where did we go? We went to meet to eat. So it's such a human part of us that I think we then need to extend that beyond our known establishments. So for me, again, like I've talked about before, and you've probably picked up by this point, I like being outside. I like going out into nature. I like having the opportunity occasionally to get out into these spots that are kind of remote, kind of away from people. It helps me kind of clear my head, and it helps me, again, see God and see the different things that are happening that God is doing out there. But if you take a, a keen eye and start looking at what is out there, you start realizing how much God has provided in these lands. So the easy examples are like raspberries, strawberries, huckleberries, blackberries, blueberries. That's the easy first swipe through. And depending on where you are, you're going to find these different berries and they're very nutritious. Blueberries usually are considered one of the superfoods because of how many antioxidants and things that are in true blueberries. It's really fantastic. But then you can go even further, say you're in a wooded area. And if you know the woods well, you'll start finding mushrooms that are edible. So like in northern U.S. forests, deciduous forests, you're going to find like oyster mushrooms, morel mushrooms hen of the woods, chicken of the woods. These are all edible mushrooms, some in different forms. Chicken of the woods, if you've never had it, it's or hen of the woods, it's remarkable in that you cook it like you would chicken, and it tastes very similar to chicken. I remember when I was working at one of the state parks, one of the rules is that you can harvest foods like acorns or mushrooms or stuff if you're going to eat them. And so I was given some hen of the woods and came home at night and seasoned it up and made chicken, quote unquote, fajitas with mushrooms instead of chicken. And it was awesome. It was so awesome. I remember coming out of that thinking it had been three days. I had been pretty much just gorging on this stuff and I hadn't eaten any meat for three days. I was just eating mushroom. It's really cool. And if you go to, you know, think about Japan and how there's a major part of their food culture 
is various different types of sushi, uncooked fish, the rice that would be coming from the rice beds, the seaweed wrapped together. So an uncooked meal, usually, and it could be tuna, it could be multiple different fish species. But again, it's showing the God providing in these different habitats. You find even in the deserts of like Arizona, you have different types of cactus and that they will still provide fruit. It might be difficult to get at, but it's still there. When I think about this, again, it gets into when Jesus is kind of questioning these people, why are you chasing things that that perish, that pass away? And I think it's easy to say, Tyler, aren't you talking about stuff that just pass away? And I get that. I mean, just like any ecosystem that continues to evolve. But when you think about it in the scope of the ecosystem, the birds, the animals, various different things need these things to be there. Birds love finding different berries, and it's actually part of the berry, how it's designed is for birds to eat it so that they their digestive system will not break down the seeds and that when they defecate somewhere else, they are helping to spread their seeds. It's like uh, marketing or something, and they're not paying for the marketing and somebody else is campaigning the product. It's really kind of neat. So you have these whole ecosystems that are based off of each other. The bird needs the fruit. It needs some type of energy source, and that's where it can get it. And the plant benefits because it's able to spread and and cultivate a new area if the conditions that it lands in are still good, but it helps it spread. And that's where we think about, like, what is Jesus getting at here? Jesus is is saying that he is the core, the central piece of our faith. And then he wants us to, like we get in the Ephesians reading, spread the gospel, spread this news, and that each of us have a different role. And that's where, like me, being able to try to take some of these different science concepts and religious concepts and bring them together so that they work together, get people to think about that in a different light. I don't have tons, I have other abilities, but there are certain abilities that I believe you on the other end here have that I can definitely say that I don't have. There's going to be fresh new perspectives that you're able to look at, even just scripture, that I won't have based off of life experience and different things that you've experienced. And that's, for me, why I really enjoy like this Ephesians reading. That's why I really enjoy 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talking about as the body, getting back to a couple weeks ago when we talked about the flock and how we have to work together as a flock. I love talking about that. I love that. I wish as a church we did that more. I really do. But it's so important for these ecosystems, like we were talking about, to have these these different cycles in them. And if you're wanting to tie in the alternative first reading with David, I think it's really easy to look at it from the aspect of taking the berries, take these fruits, take these different things that are edible to us in these environments out. And don't even look at if it affects humans. How does it affect the other things that are there? The other creatures, animals, plants, does it affect the water? 
David is realizing the fault of what he has done and asks for repentance. But I think there's so often we as people are so short-visioned that we don't look at what the possible consequences are. And that's sometimes one of the hardest things about being a scientist is that you have to try thinking about what are the possible future consequences of the actions that you're doing. And that's hard because you would like to test it, but sometimes you really can't. There's plenty of examples, and we I'll probably talk about this more some other week. I'll see if I can find some resources for you, but where we've introduced species to an area to take care of some problem, and then we end up bringing in another species to take care of the species we brought in because it's causing an unforeseen problem. For me, it's very kind of similar to what David went through. Yes, David had a lustful eye and it caused for a major situation and a death and of at least her husband, but probably also his platoon. But we don't see until we get here in chapters end of 11 and into 12, the consequences of what really happened. And we will never know what would have happened if he hadn't done that. You know, the human experience that we always get to grapple with. There's so many times where we take advantage of resources or take advantage of things that are just in front of us and assume that they're always going to be there. One of the interesting and easy ones for me as a ornithologist or somebody who really enjoys birds is the passenger pigeon. And if you look at the passenger pigeon 200 years ago was very, very plentiful talking about that you'd have blackout for days as they were migrating, talking about the millions of birds that they were probably alive. And it ends up being a sad story, having the last one die less than 20 years into the 20th century, that they were just overhunted. And there, there was, you know, we could get into conservation policy that try getting through at the end, and it just wasn't enough. And our lack of understanding of what they were providing. What were they bringing to these different ecosystems? What type of ecosystems were they prioritizing? And that's where when God is talking about this eternal food that helps you never thirst and never be hungry, I think it's easy, and even I have here talked about it as in food because we can relate to that really well. But the next step of that is really realizing that This isn't just about food. This is about the creation as a whole. That God is talking about because of your faith, you should be able to see the gifts that I have given you. You shouldn't be chasing after gifts that I can give you like free food. That you should be chasing after seeing more of me and what I have done for you already. It ties in so beautifully to what we talked about last week. But if you think about think about a teenager when they're getting that food, if you really got them to stop and think about it, yes, they're hungry, but they're very appreciative of what you've done. They're appreciative that you have given your time. You appreciate being able to have somebody there with a smiling face to provide them nutrition that they need to keep going. It's so important in the faith. And for us, we can look to children, we can look to teenagers, we can look to kids, we can look to young adults, we can look to all these different people within the church. We can see God, and that's awesome, 
But I think there's also times where we need to look outside of even just the human experience and see where God is continuing to provide consistently for us. So that when we're in a situation that would feel like, how am I going to make this through? I'm lost in the woods. And that yet in that situation, God has still provided food, still provided what you need to get out, still provided nutrition, arguably better nutrition than what you would get if you actually got lost and then got handed human things, superfoods, amazingly nutritious foods that are right there in front of you that he has provided so neat to think about and that's where again it ties into that Ephesians reading that we each have different gifts we each have different abilities so the Twitter question I will have for you is twofold this week I think first we'll kind of base off of the theme that we've been dealing with most is what foods put foods in quotes what foods around you for nutrition what foods are around you for nutrition and the second question is what role has God cut you out for? What role? If you want to bring it back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if there's a specific body part you feel like you are, but if you want to look into, even starting in verse 11, are you an apostle? Are you a prophet? Are you evangelical? Are you a pastor? Are you a teacher? What part of ministry is he calling you to be part of? Because he each gives all of us a role that we're supposed to play on this grand thing called Earth that's just an amazing stage. So, I'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.